This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Christine Blashford. www.wokeupthismorning.co.uk The Rosary by Florence L. Barclay Chapter 37 In the Face of This Congregation the society paragraphs would have described it as a very quiet wedding when garth and jane a few days later were pronounced man and wife together in the little episcopal church among the hills perhaps to those who were present it stands out rather as an unusual wedding than as a quiet one to garth and jane the essential thing was to be married and left to themselves with as little delay as possible they could not be induced to pay any attention to details as to the manner in which this desired end was to be attained jane left it entirely to the doctor in one practical though casual sentence just make sure it is valid dicky and send us in the bills the duchess being a true conservative early began mentioning veils orange blossom and white satin but jane said my dear aunt fancy me in orange blossom i should look like a christmas pantomime and i never wear veils even in motors and white satin is a form of clothing i have always had the wisdom to avoid then in what do you intend to be married unnatural girl inquired the duchess in whatever i happened to put on that morning replied jane knotting the silk of a soft crimson cord she was knitting and glancing out of the window to where garth sat smoking on the terrace have you a time-table inquired her grace of meldrum with dangerous calmness and can you send me to the station this afternoon we can always send to the station at a moment's notice said jane working in a golden strand and considering the effect but where are you going dear aunt gina you know derrick and flower arrive this evening i am washing my hands of you and going south said the duchess wrathfully don't do that dear said jane placidly you have washed your hands of me so often and like the blood of king duncan of scotland i am upon them still all the perfumes of arabia will not sweeten this little hand then raising her voice garth if you want to walk just give a call i am here talking over my trousseau with aunt gina what is a trousseau came back in garth's happy voice a thing you get into to be married said jane then let's get into it quickly shouted garth with enthusiasm dear aunt said jane let us make a compromise i have some quite nice clothes upstairs including red fern tailor-maids and several uniforms let your maid look through them and whatever you select and she puts out in readiness on my wedding morning i promise to wear this resulted in jane appearing at the church in a long blue cloth coat and skirt handsomely embroidered with gold and suiting her large figure to perfection a deep yellow vest of brocaded silk and old lace ruffles at neck and wrists garth was as anxious about his wedding garments as jane had been indifferent over hers but he had so often been in requisition as best man at town weddings that simpson had no difficulty in turning him out in the acme of correct bridal attire and very handsome he looked as he stood waiting at the chancel steps not watching for his bride but obviously listening for her for as jane came up the church on derrick's arm garth slightly turned his head and smiled 
The Duchess, resplendent in purple satin and ermine, with white plumes in her bonnet, and many jewelled chains depending from her, which rattled and tinkled in the silence of the church every time she moved, was in a front pew on the left, ready to give her niece away. In a corresponding seat, on the opposite side, as near as possible to the bridegroom, sat Marjorie Graham, in black silk, with a small quilted satin bonnet, and a white lawn kerchief folded over the faithful old heart which had beaten in tenderness for Garth since his babyhood. She turned her head anxiously, every time the Duchess jingled, but otherwise kept her eyes fixed on the marriage service, in a large print prayer-book in her lap. Marjorie was not used to the episcopal service, and she had her doots as to whether it could possibly be gone through correctly by all parties concerned. In fact, this anxiety of old Marjorie's increased so painfully when the ceremony actually commenced that it took audible form, and she repeated all the answers of the bridal pair in an impressive whisper after them. Dr. Robb, being the only available bachelor, did duty as best man, Jane having stipulated that he should not be entrusted with the ring, her previous observations leading her to conclude that he would most probably slip it unconsciously on to his finger, and then search through all his own pockets and all Garth's, and begin taking up the church matting before it occurred to him to look at his hand. Jane would not have minded the diversion, but she did object to any delay. So the ring went to church in Garth's waistcoat pocket, where it had lived since Jane brought it out from Aberdeen, and without any fumbling or hesitation was quietly laid by him upon the open book. Dr. Robb had charge of the fees for clerk, verger, bell-ringers, and every person connected with the church who could possibly have a tip pressed upon them. Garth was generous in his gladness, and eager to do all things in a manner worthy of the great gift made fully his that day, so Dr. Robb was well provided with the wherewithal, and this he jingled in his pockets as soon as the exhortation commenced, and his interest in the proceedings resulted in his fatal habit of unconsciousness of his own actions. Thus he and the Duchess kept up a tinkling duet, each hearing the other and not their own sounds. So the Duchess glared at Dr. Robb, and Dr. Robb frowned at the Duchess, and old Marjorie looked tearfully at both. Derek Brand, the tallest man in the church, his fine figure showing to advantage in the long frock-coat with silk facings, which Lady Brand had pronounced indispensable to the occasion, retired to a seat beside his wife, just behind old Marjorie, as soon as he had conducted Jane to Garth's side. As Jane removed her hand from his arm, she turned and smiled at him, and a long look passed between them. All the memories, all the comprehension, all the trust and affection of years seemed to concentrate in that look, and Lady Brand's eyes dropped to her dainty white and gold prayer-book. She had never known jealousy, the doctor had never given her any possible reason for acquiring that cruel knowledge. His flower bloomed for him, and her fragrance alone made his continual joy. All other lovely women were mere botanical specimens, to be examined and classified, but Flower had never quite understood the depth of the friendship between her husband and Jane, founded on the associations and aspirations of childhood and early youth, and a certain similarity of character which would not have wedded well, but which worked out into a comradeship, providing a source of strength for both. Of late Flower had earnestly tried to share, even while failing to comprehend it. Perhaps she, in her pale primrose gown, with daffodils at her waist, and sunbeams in her golden hair, was the most truly bridal figure in the church. 
as the doctor turned from the bride and sought his place beside her in the pew he looked at the sweet face bent so demurely over the prayer-book and thought he had never seen his wife look more entrancingly lovely unconsciously his hand strayed to the white rosebud she had fastened in his coat as they strolled round the conservatory together that morning flower glancing up surprised his look she did not think it right to smile in church but a delicate wave of colour swept over her face and her cheek leaned as near the doctor's shoulder as the size of her hat would allow flower felt quite certain that was a look the doctor had never given jane the service commenced the short-sighted clergyman very nervous and rather overwhelmed by the unusual facts of a special license a blind bridegroom and the reported presence of a duchess began reading very fast in an undertone which old marjorie could not follow though her finger imprisoned in unwanted kid hurried along the lines then conscious of his mistake he slowed down and became too impressive making long nerve-straining pauses fled in by the tinkling of the duchess and the chinking in dr robb's trouser pockets thus they arrived at the demand upon the congregation if they could show any just cause why these two persons might not lawfully be joined together now to speak and the pause here was so long and so overpowering that old marjorie said nay and then gave a nervous sob the bridegroom turned and smiled in the direction of the voice and the doctor leaning forward laid his hand on the trembling shoulder and whispered steady old friend it is all right there was no pause whatever after the solemn charge to the couple so if garth and jane had any secrets to disclose they had perforce to keep them for after discussion then jane found her right hand firmly clasped in garth's and no inadequacy of the church's mouthpiece could destroy the exquisite beauty of the church's words in which garth was asked if he would take her to be his own to this garth and old marjorie said they would with considerable display of emotion then the all-comprehensive question was put to jane the church seeming to remind her gently that she took him in his blindness with all which that might entail jane said i will and the deep tender voice was the voice of the rosary when the words were uttered garth lifted the hand he held and reverently kissed it this was not in the rubric and proved disconcerting to the clergyman he threw up his head suddenly and inquired who giveth this woman to be married to this man and as for the moment there was no response he repeated the question wildly gazing into distant corners of the church then the duchess who up to that time had been feeling a little bored realized that her moment had come and rejoiced she sailed out of her pew and advanced to the chancel step my dear good man she said i give my niece away having come north at considerable inconvenience for that express purpose now go on what do we do next dr robb broke into an uncontrollable chuckle the duchess lifted her lorgnette and surveyed him marjorie searched her prayer-book in vain for the duchess's response it did not appear to be there flower looked in distressed appeal at the doctor but the doctor was studying with grave intentness a stenciled pattern on the chancel roof and paid no attention to flower's nudge the only people completely unconscious of anything unusual in the order of proceedings appeared to be the bride and bridegroom they were taking each other in the sight of god and in the face of this congregation they were altogether absorbed in each other standing together in the sight of god and the deportment of this congregation was a matter they scarcely noticed people always behave grotesquely at weddings jane had said to garth beforehand and ours will be no exception to the general rule 
but we can close our eyes and we can stand together in sightless land and derrick will take care it is valid not in sightless land my beloved said garth but in the land where they need no candle neither light of the sun however and wherever i take you as my wife i shall be standing on the summit of god's heaven so they stood and in their calmness the church hushed to silence the service proceeded and the minister who had not known how to keep them from clasping hands when the rubric did not require it found no difficulty in inducing them to do so again so they took each other these two who were so deeply each other's already solemnly reverently tenderly in the sight of god they took each other according to god's holy ordinance and the wedding ring type of that eternal love which has neither beginning nor ending passed from garth's pocket over the holy book on to jane's finger when it was over she took his arm and leaning upon it so that he could feel she leaned guided him to the vestry afterwards in the brougham for those few precious moments when husband and wife find themselves alone for the first time garth turned to jane with an eager naturalness which thrilled her heart as no studied speech could have done he did not say my wife that unique moment had been theirs three years before dearest he said how soon will they all go how soon shall we be quite alone oh why couldn't they drive to the station from the church jane looked at her watch because we must lunch them dear she said think how good they have all been and we could not start our married life by being inhospitable it is just one o'clock and we ordered luncheon at half-past their train leaves the station at half-past four in three hours garth we shall be alone shall i be able to behave nicely for three hours exclaimed garth boyishly you must said jane or i shall fetch nurse rosemary oh hush he said all that is too precious to-day for chaff jane he turned suddenly and laid his hand on hers jane do you understand that you are now actually my wife jane took his hand and held it against her heart just where she so often had pressed her own when she feared he would hear it throbbing my darling she said i do not understand it but i know ah oh, thank god i know it to be true end of chapter thirty seven